what a fun morning to have the ensemble playing in the lobby, to have the children in the service. Uh, it's a great morning, and I hope that uh, it has encouraged you in your faith and helped you to, to uh, worship, worship God uh, this morning. And so uh, as we continue on in our worship, we're, we're looking at um, uh, the, the theme of joy uh, as we look at Luke chapter 1 as we can, uh, with the series God With Us. We've been talking about different ways uh, that, uh, that, that God, uh, that the story of, of Jesus' birth actually builds our faith and, 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 and some of these key themes of, of the Christian faith. And so to this morning is joy. Uh, I loved the, the, the children's Advent reading, uh, the way they divided up those parts, a really uh, great job. I felt like it helped it to come to life. Uh, and did you catch that the, the, the passages in John, we're, we're talking about John the Baptist. Uh, and so I'd actually, we're going to be looking at John the Baptist this morning. We'll be looking at his life and, and what we can learn about joy from that. Uh, when I think of John the Baptist, I think of how John had a very clear mission in life, uh, that his purpose was known before he was even born, uh, and, and he faithfully pursued that mission in his life. His mission was to prepare the way for Jesus. He called God's people back to repentance, uh, he called, them, called them back to God and to repent from their sins, uh, and, and, and he pre- uh, told them to prepare their hearts for the coming Messiah, to prepare their hearts for Jesus. And so I, I look at a man like John, and I'm inspired by his, his commitment to his mission and purpose, that it was so clear to him, that he was devoted to God and to something greater than himself, and that he left the world a little better place. Maybe uh, you, can, you can think of people like that in your life, that uh, they have a clear kind of focus in their life, mission or purpose, and, and, and that they're devoted to something greater than themselves, and that they leave the world a little better place. That's inspiring to me, and, and, and perhaps it is to you as well. Um, and it makes sense to me that that would be inspiring because, because it's really kind of the way God created us. It is the way God created us, that, that he's, he's that placed in us a yearning, a longing for hope, uh, for meaning, and for purpose in this world. He's placed that within us. We learn that in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So in our hearts, he has placed this longing for eternity, this, this desire for more, this for meaning and for purpose, that we internally know that there's something more than this world and that we long for, for some way of making sense of the world around us. And, and God has the answer to that. He has placed that in our heart, and he is the answer. People look to all different sources in the world to fill that longing in their heart. And perhaps you can think of things that maybe even you have looked for to fill that longing in your heart, that longing for, for meaning and purpose. And you've gone after certain things that, that perhaps have left you longing for more, that they really didn't fulfill. We can go after those things and, 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 and they, they may give us enjoyment for a little while. They may give us fleeting moments of pleasure, but they don't leave us truly satisfied. And the reason they don't leave us truly satisfied is because they, they, they can't. They're not meant for that. That this longing that God's placed in our heart is, is for eternity and so only an eternal answer will do. Only God will do. And so in, looking at this theme of joy this morning, I want to suggest to you that joy is actually a spiritual term. That it's, it, it, true, true joy is a spiritual idea. It's a spiritual term. Uh, and, and actually joy is the result of finding the answer to this eternal question. That when this eternal longing that God has placed in our heart, when that is met, the result is joy. It's a natural response when that is met. Uh, 
And so, uh, to, to define joy, just a simple definition of joy, it is delight in God and his salvation. And when we really want to boil down what is joy, it's, it's this, uh, this response to God and his salvation. And as I mentioned, John the Baptist can teach us about this. Uh, when we look at the story of John, the one who prepared the way for Jesus, uh, I hope that he can prepare our hearts to encounter Jesus this Christmas season. I hope that he can help us this morning to be ready to encounter Jesus. And so, uh, the story of John the Baptist found in Luke chapter 1. In verses 6 and 7, we learn uh, of John's parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it tells us this, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. And so, we we know that Zechariah was a priest, uh, and, uh, and Elizabeth, uh, they were both very devout in their faith and, and committed to the Lord. They were, they were known as righteous people, meaning they, they really uh, committed themselves to God and, 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 and a life that was aligned with his meaning and purpose. That's the way they, they committed their life in that sense. And, and we, we understand here that they had a hardship that they endured. Uh, they were unable to have children, and they were advanced in years at this point. They were, they were quite old at this point. And so we, we, uh, as the story goes on, we learn that Zechariah, as a priest, was called uh, to, to uh, his turn to serve in the temple. And so a, a group of priests would go together and they would, they would uh, kind of rotate through these different teams. And his team was up and they were at the temple to serve. And he was selected from among these, these priests to go into the inner room in, in, in the temple and to burn incense. Uh, and this would have been a great, uh, great honor to burn incense and to pray, offer prayer. And, and this would have been a huge honor to him. And as he does that, uh, he enters in and an angel appears to him. Uh, and, and he is actually he's surprised, as you might guess, right? He's surprised at that. And he's afraid. He's fearful. And so we see in verse 13, and we pick up the story there. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. And you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. And so Zechariah, as he encounters this angel, the angel announces to him that this miraculous thing is going to happen, and he's going to have a, a son, uh, and, and they're going to name him John. This is John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for Jesus, right? And, and he's going to be this, this excellent man, this great man of God. He's going to be great in the eyes of the Lord, and he's going to do many great things for God's kingdom. And so Zechariah, hearing all this, he doesn't respond the way we, would expect, we may expect. Uh, Zechariah, this devout man, uh, this very uh, committed man, uh, uh, committed to the things of the Lord, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it, and he then questions the angel. He says, how can I be sure this will happen? How can I be sure this will happen? And it's not like a question about like, like discerning, like, hey, just make, make sure I understand this correctly. It's a question of doubt to say, I don't really believe this will happen. Perhaps he's been, become callous from the many years that they've struggled to have a child. And, and, and it's hard for him to accept this because of the pain of the letdown over and over again. But Zechariah, that's just speculation, but Zechariah questions the angel. And as a result of this, he's told that he will be unable to speak until this has all come to pass. And so he's immediately unable to speak. And he finishes his priestly duties and he, he returns home. And Elizabeth uh, does, in fact, become pregnant. Uh, and then she goes into seclusion for five months. Uh, and again, we don't know exactly what that was about, but 
but speculating likely the, the pain of, of, of the, the childlessness and, and maybe there's been miscarriages and, and so keeping private to herself as they go through this, this hoping, hoping that this is, really, this is really it. But she's in seclusion for five months and then in the sixth month we, we learn that, that God sent the same angel who appeared to Zechariah, he sent the same angel to a young girl named Mary. And he announces to her that she will miraculously conceive and give birth to a son and name him Jesus. And so this is the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, and, and she wonders, Mary wonders how this is going to be possible because she's a virgin and he tells her that this will be happened through the power of the Holy Spirit, that she will conceive miraculously, the baby will be holy, and that he will be the Son of God. And then to encourage her faith, he told her that her cousin Elizabeth, who was thought to be barren and is now quite advanced in her age, she's now pregnant. And so we understand that John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins, and Mary accepts all of this. She willingly accepts what the angel has said and and, and, uh, commits herself to uh, to, to the plan, and then she takes off to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And so we picked it up in, in verse 41. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to, Mary, exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And so we have this meeting of Elizabeth and Mary and it's a joyful moment. As even John in womb inside of Elizabeth leaps for joy because God has revealed to both of them, who this is, that, that, that Jesus is among them. He is present with them as, as Mary carries him. And so Elizabeth, uh, or Mary stays with Elizabeth for three months and then heads back to her home. And when Elizabeth has her baby, uh, there's an announcement that's gone out and everyone comes and rejoices with her. The neighbors and families, friends, they rejoice with her at this great thing that's happened. And so Elizabeth then tries to name him John, as, as she knows is, uh, is, is to be his name. And the people object and they say, but John doesn't, there's no John in your family. That can't be his name. Let's check with your husband. And remember, he can't speak at this point. And so they motion to Zechariah and he takes a tablet and he writes, his name is John. And immediately he's able to speak once again. And the first thing Zechariah does when he regains speech is praise the Lord. He experienced this this joyful thing, the birth of his child, and his response is to praise God in that moment. And so we see uh, several things about joy from from the life of John the Baptist and the surrounding events of his birth. But understanding joy as this this, uh, uh, delight in God and in his salvation, what what I hope that we can see is that joy comes from awareness of God's grace. That as our awareness, as our understanding of what God is doing and who God is and the way that he loves us, as our awareness of that increases, the result is joy. And that word grace that I've used here, grace means undeserved favor. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It wasn't, it's not granted to us based on our merit. It's undeserved, but God loves us anyway and he's on our side. He favors us. It's the idea of grace. And so when we learn this, the response is joy. Joy comes from recognizing what God's done. And so as our awareness of, of, of this grows, it produces joy in us. In the verse in Ecclesiastes that we started off reading, it talks about how he's planted eternity in our hearts, but then the second part talks about how we can't possibly know all that God is doing, all that God has done. The rev- we, can't, he, we can't understand the whole scope of his work. And so as God reveals pieces of that to us, we experience joy 
the birth of Jesus and the surrounding events around his birth was God revealing his plan to the world. As, it, as his plan broke free to the world, it, it became available to all and, and, and evident to, to all, it inspired joy. As we encounter God and his salvation, the result is joy. We see this in Luke chapter 2 at the announcement of Jesus' birth. There's a group of shepherds who have been out in the field watching their sheep doing you know, everything like a normal night would be for them. They're watching their sheep, they're tending to their flock, and, and, and an angel appears to them and announces about the birth of Jesus, and it says this. And of course, they were afraid, just like Zechariah was when the angel uh, uh, appeared, and so it says this. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So this good news that's announced will bring great joy to all people because God is for people, not against them. And this joy, it comes, uh, so, so if joy comes, understanding this is being made, made aware, right? This announcement is, is, is bringing awareness to these people. If joy comes from awareness of God's grace, it would naturally flow then that if we want to increase our joy, we need to become more aware of God's grace. We need to become more aware of what God's doing in the world and more aware of how God loves us. So we can, there's two ways that, that, that I see from this chapter in Luke here that we can actually increase our joy. If you find yourself this Christmas season feeling like it's just not a great Christmas, it's just not the way it usually is, or, or maybe you're, you're struggling to, to embrace the, the moment and the joy of Christmas, and Perhaps you can learn from these steps uh, uh, that we see in John, uh, in John the Baptist's life in Luke chapter 1. Perhaps you can embrace these moments and increase your awareness of God's grace so that you can increase your joy. And the first one is, is that we, we increase our awareness of God's grace by focusing on God rather than our circumstances. When we focus our eyes on, on the things of life and the challenges of life, it can steal our joy. When we shift our eyes to God and, 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 and increase our awareness of him, it can increase our joy. And we see this with Zachariah and Elizabeth. I talked about their, their, their uh, childlessness. They're, they're struggling with infertility and, and how hard that must have been. Can you imagine the pain that they, that they, they walked through with that as they had potential opportunity, you know, maybe this is it, right? And, 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 and it wasn't. Or, 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 or likely what have ha- would have happened is, as happened most often in this day was women who were, were childless or, or unable to conceive, it was often, well, there must be some sin in your life that's causing this. Or you must, there must be something wrong with you. There's a stigma of, of that this, this must be something that you've done or something, something that's wrong with you. And, and, and the isolation that that would have caused and the shame that that would have caused, the disgrace, as they longed for children and were unable to have children. And yet, they remained faithful and committed to God. If they had stuck their eyes, if they, if they fixed their eyes on their circumstances, likely they would have resulted in bitterness and anger towards God. But instead, they were able to recognize their circumstances but focus on God instead. And that's why they're said to be righteous people. They were fully devoted to God. And we see this, uh, the response then, when, when they finally, when, when Elizabeth uh, finds out she's pregnant, her response is recorded in Luke chapter 1, verse 25. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So her response is she praises God and she turns to him. Now she knew God was good even if he didn't do this, but he gave her the desire of her heart and she had this great joy as she exclaimed to him and and gave him praise for all that he had done. 
And so we see that, that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were able to embrace God's goodness to them. And it resulted in joy for them. And we also can see that this, that this is the way that Jesus did it as well. We learn in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 2, uh, speaking about Jesus, it, says, it tells us we should follow his example in the first part of the verse, but then it tells us what Jesus did. So it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So we focus our eyes on him. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so speaking of Jesus, he, he had this, ama- this immense hardship before him as he would, he, as he would experience being mistreated and crucified and, and, and all this, and the sin of the world laid on him. He, he experienced this great hardship and yet he endured that not by focusing on his, on his circumstances, but instead by shifting his eyes to the joy laid before him, shifting his eyes to God and, and, and the, the opportunity that God had placed before him to restore relationship to him, that he would forgive our sins and bring us back into relationship with God. And so Jesus, by shifting his eyes from his circumstances and instead to God, was able to endure immense hardship. And so shifting our focus to God we draw, and drawing near to him, it can increase our joy And that's not to say that we should deny or stuff the more negative emotions that we feel or the harder things that we feel. It's it's not just pretend everything's okay, bury your head in the sand kind of idea. In fact, that really won't do us much good. Honesty is the path forward. And God welcomes our honesty. The book of Psalms is full of examples of people who are honest with God about the hard things they're experiencing, about the negative emotions they're experiencing. So learning from their examples, from, the, from the, the writers of the Psalms, we learn that we can pour out our hearts to God, that he's welcoming of that. He, he invites us to do that. We can bring all of that stuff to him and be totally honest with him. And so following their examples, they, have, they show us a pattern of lament. And that's, we, we, we pour out the, our hearts. We, we let God know how we're struggling and the hardships we're facing, the negative emotions we're feeling. We pour that out. And then after we've gotten that all out, we remind ourselves of who God is. And we make a choice to trust him in the midst of it. So there's a pattern here of pouring out our hearts, letting it all out, and then reminding that God is good and that we don't know the whole story and then making a choice to trust him in the midst of, even in the midst of hard stuff. So it's not that we deny those, those negative emotions. We can bring those to God. And that's part of the shifting from our circumstances to focusing on him. And so that can increase our joy if we can develop that habit of, of shifting our focus to God rather than our circumstances. And another way that we can increase our, our awareness of God is by sharing in community, by talking about our faith and, 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 and having community with other believers, fellowship with other believers. I often say that, that our faith is personal, but it's not private. It's personal. It needs to be impacting us on a heart level and, 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 and be very, uh, a very intimate thing, but it's also something that is not meant to be just kept to ourselves. It's meant to be shared in community. Uh, and, and there's a way that as we share with one another, it strengthens our faith. We, we grow together and are built up in our faith. And so Romans, we see this in, in Romans chapter one uh, from the Apostle Paul speaking uh, to the church in, in, in Rome that he longs to go visit. And he says this, For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Then when when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. So there's a picture here of the mutual benefit. 
that as Paul goes and, and ministers to them, that they'll be built up in their faith and, and encouraged and strengthened and that he will be as well as they share together, as they, as they join together in community. And that makes sense, that, that as we hear other stories and we hear how God's working, it elevates our awareness of God and how he's at, at work in the world. And we see this in the, example, in the story of John the Baptist with, with Elizabeth and, and Mary in this meeting Whereas the awareness of what God's doing as Elizabeth is made aware of, of what's happening within Mary. Her jo- she, she experiences joy. And even John in, in the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy in the presence of Jesus because God has revealed his plan for salvation and they're aware of it. And we also see this in the birth of John as they announce what's happened and, they, and, they, and people come and celebrate with them. It says this in Luke uh, 1, 57 and 58. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that, the, what, heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. And so these people heard what had happened and they rejoiced with her. Their experience was joy as they celebrated with her. They didn't have a birth of a baby. It wasn't their barrenness that then was overcome and then a baby was born, but they experienced with her in this moment and they experienced joy. Sharing in community can elevate our awareness of what God's doing and, and, and as a result, inspire joy in our lives. And so, this Christmas season, I wonder if you have community to celebrate with. Do you have people that you can share about the things that God's doing or hear about the things that God's doing in their lives? If you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to be a part of our services. The, uh, continue joining us on Sunday mornings. We'd love for you to be a part of our faith community that you could grow and develop in your faith just as Paul talks about here. We could be a mutual source of encouragement and where you could experience the joy of Christ. And so I wonder, are you aware of God's grace to you? This Christmas season, are you aware of how God loves you? Of the way that he has made a way for you to have salvation? You know, at this time of year in particular, we, we, we believe we've got a lot of people who attend ACC who, who are, are just starting their spiritual journey or, or they're just considering Christianity. They're checking it out. They aren't quite sure yet. And so if that describes you, I, I hope that you will, you will seek out answers to your questions, that you'll lean in to the prodding of God on your heart to, to explore Jesus and what he's all about. I hope that you'll, you'll understand the amazing gift that God has given us in Jesus, that we were separated from him and that God said, that's not okay, that's not gonna work. And he provided a way for that to be fixed. And he sent his son Jesus to this earth who would eventually die in our place, take on our sin so that we could be restored to God. And he offers that free gift to each of us, the gift of the forgiveness of our sins, salvation. So this Christmas season, I hope that you encounter Jesus, that your heart is open to the things of God, and that you know that he loves you dearly, that he's for you, not against you. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And that's my prayer for us this Christmas season is that you would encounter Jesus, that you would trust him, you would experience an inexpressible and glorious joy as you trust in him for salvation. So may you encounter Jesus this Advent season, and may he cause your joy to overflow.